Just me. Uh, I'm not going to uh, provide you with the amount of new content that you've all grown so accustomed to for our longtime followers and listeners. Uh, there will be uh, something of a best of towards the end of this. Um, but I wanted to come on and uh, say something. Uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all those out there uh, <clears throat> who. Um, well, yeah, Happy New Year. New Year's is coming up. I don't have a ton to say about sports today. I have some, but not uh, a lot. And part of that is because I uh, finally was hit. I got, I got it. I got the Rona. I tested positive for the coronavirus, um, which is not as cool as it used to be, apparently. You know, it was back in the old days when you got COVID. It's a big deal. You know, now, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I was going to say Bitcoin, but I think that's actually the total opposite. It's like completely the opposite example, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, bottom line is um, it used to be a thing and now everyone's just over it. All the the CDC and everybody, the restrictions are loosening. It's just sort of, uh, you know. NBD anymore and and nobody cares. However, uh, I care because I have coronavirus or I, yeah, no, I guess I still have it. I haven't tested negative. Um, so I think I have it, but I've been real sick and I was fully vaxxed, fully boosted, you know, first in line to do all of it. Uh, you know, we even had an appointment to get my booster at 1030 at night and it was raining and I had to walk about 10 blocks to get there, but considered it well worth the peace of mind to be fully vaccinated. And now that I have gotten it, and I am among those who now can say that they've had it, I want to say to all those out there um, who are not vaccinated or not boosted or you know just generally non-cooperative, just screw you, huh? <laughs> and I mean it. I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. I am so sick and tired of uh, pretending that, you know, any of these people have a point or whatever their problem is, because they don't. And I would just say, in general, there have been two camps throughout all of this. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like there's no correlation between your political affiliation and your behavior because there certainly is, but it's not exclusive. And it's just generally people who have overall been willing to be cooperative about what needs to be done to manage this pandemic and people who have been completely and totally uncooperative. And that's really what it boils down to. And of course, there's people in varying degrees, and there are people who are, you know, pro- the most aggressive plans possible to address the pandemic. And those people are annoying, admittedly so. There are people who speak to you judgmentally about things and it sucks and you don't like their face when they say it. And I get it. I feel that way too. But, you know, annoying, being annoying isn't being harmful. And that's what the other, you know, extreme of it is. It's harmful to 
be hostile to these vaccines. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. Like, is that your whole point? It's a line from The Sopranos. Carmelo says it to her teenage daughter, Meadow. You know, just getting what you want is for babies. Like, is that your only point? And and I'm mad, I am mad about having COVID because we had to basically cancel Christmas. And that sucks. You know, we're lucky enough that my daughter's four grandparents are all still alive. But, you know, I think that everyone's pretty aware that that's not going to be the case forever. And we're getting closer to the end of that than we're not. And so every Christmas counts. And, you know, then I also think about my daughter. She's on vacation from school. And we talk about, you know, preserving some of these experiences for our kids as the world changes around us. I'd like school vacation to be something to look forward to and not being trapped in an apartment with your parent who tested positive for COVID and is sick and is not in the greatest of moods because he's sick and doesn't feel well. And his vacation's ruined too. And that him obviously being me, but, you know, it just sucks. And it's unbelievable to me that this is still going on. And, you know, I think perhaps maybe the worst outcome is that because I have been sick, I have not been quite as up to date uh, with the goings on of the world uh, and, and my favorite sports teams the past, I don't know, week or so. And so you, the listeners, are now suffering because I've been speaking now for five minutes about coronavirus and vaccines and all sorts of things that I know nothing about uh, other than other than if you're hostile to the idea of them, you're the problem, not anything else, not society, not the system, not the mandates, not the, you know, Congress or whoever. You're the problem. Cut it out. Just be cooperative. Can we get through this, please? For crying. I mean, all right. Anyway. Now let's talk a little sports. So, uh, talking uh, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots from Sunday. Or, yeah. Um, after the game, I, I didn't watch the game. Uh, but what I want to talk about is evidently there was a fourth and eight um, where, you know, maybe the analytics would have suggested that the Pats go for it. And they didn't. And uh, Belichick was asked about it after the game. And, you know, his answer was basically, um, well, look, it was fourth and eight. And he didn't he didn't spell it out like this, but it, look, it was fourth and eight. We had a rookie quarterback and a top five defense. So I spend every day. I mean, this is now I'm just going off on my own here, but I spend every day with these players and this team and you know, I have a pretty solid finger on the pulse. <clears throat> and I think I know what we're capable of. And I think I know what gives us the best chance to win. And that's what I thought would give us the best chance to win. So I did. And so I was listening to Ryan Rosillo and Albert Breer, graduate of the Ohio State University, uh, discuss this and, and, you know, how you can't really argue. Like, you can argue with it whether or not you think Belichick was right or wrong. But he did at least explain the thinking behind it. Um, and, and it flew in the face of analytics. And I, I think, look, I think that the debate over analytics in and of itself is stupid. It's 
analytics are good and they're useful and they don't necessarily apply to every single thing in every single circumstance. And I think most people who are engaging in sort of good faith analysis of sports understand that. And, uh, you know, what else can you really say? So I, I don't think it's necessarily the debate is even about whether or not Belichick was right or wrong in his decision. It was just interesting to know what his thinking was, because I think sometimes that gets lost in a lot of this is that the coaches, most coaches probably at this point, and it, look, it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Judge was in this category of NFL head coaches that understood and appreciated analytics, certainly didn't ignore them, and also felt there were other factors involved in their decisions. Now, I know this probably sounds like I'm about to defend Joe Judge, and maybe I am to an extent, you know, I don't know. I wanted to, I, I, I actually, I had to physically start taking some deep breaths last night while I was reading Dan Duggan's article about potential names to replace Gettleman as the GM, because while I was reading that article, my daughter was, you know, pulling on my arm to get my attention to get me to, I don't know, adjust some setting on some app she was using on her iPad. And I was because I I didn't I was getting really frustrated because I was what I hated what I was reading basically I hate it and, and I like Dan Duggan and I like his writing and you know he's only reporting what he knows and what he knows are likely to be facts but <laughs> nonetheless I hated it I hated the words because they were horrible words <laughs> not his use of them but just the information that was being conveyed was terrible information and I hated every piece of it. And I think that it's sort of funny. The Giants beat is at this point, and actually I'm straying too far from the point here, but the Giants, the Giants beat is at a point where they're telling us, I don't know that it'll be Kevin Abrams. I don't think it'll be Kevin Abrams. I'm not sure that it's already been predetermined that it'll be Kevin Abrams. Whatever their, you know, rationalization they're using with Kevin Abrams you know, but to not report that he's in the mix would be malpractice because it's the Giants and he's in the mix. And it's funny that that's what they keep defaulting to. And I guess what are they supposed to say? And I'm not a beat writer, so I don't know the pressures of that world or, you know, the circumstances of it. But um, like, yeah, I know. But that's the problem. The problem is, is that you can't not include his name. That's a problem. The fact that you can't not include Kevin Abrams' name is a problem with the Giants. The John Mara should be out front and center and saying, we're not considering Kevin Abrams. No disrespect even to Kevin Abrams. Say all the nice things about the guy that you want. You know, praise him to Hilt, recommend him for a job elsewhere. You know, love him enough to set him free is what I would recommend because for there to be any sort of good faith or goodwill it has to be clear, crystal clear that John Mara gets it. We need to change. We need to update our thinking. We need a complete entire overhaul of the system. We need to be willing to turn this over to somebody else. And considering Kevin Abrams is just, I'm sorry. It sucks, right? Like, I get it. I empathize with it. You know, the guy's been with the Giants since 1999. He's worked his way up. He's worked hard. It's not his fault that his superiors along the way who have been have been incompetent 
um, or, or failed, you know, even if they were competent enough, failed in their pursuit. And that shouldn't necessarily be held against him. And it shouldn't be held against him that, you know, John Mara has more or less failed as an owner. Um, man, it really sucks for him because it's, you know, the timing is bad for him basically. Cause maybe look, maybe he's great in all honesty. And, and then maybe look, maybe someday we look back and we're grateful that the giants considered Kevin Abrams. I'm willing to entertain that that's possible, I guess, but you know, it's, I think it's just also too obvious that the giants need to just reset. And if, if for no other reason, you know, look, even if Kevin Abrams is a perfectly good GM candidate, I think we still need to let him free in order to do the sort of internal work that the Giants as a franchise need to do. And that's a tough call to make if you really believe in the person, but you also kind of just have to believe in what is best to fix, you know, what is clearly a complete and total train wreck. Um, So he shouldn't be a part of the process. Now, I kind of got away from myself there. Here's what I want to say about Joe Judge. I think that there are guys that, or I would say this about myself. There have been environments that I've worked in in my adult life where I have really and truly thrived and other environments that I've worked in where I have not been able to thrive the same way. And sometimes, you know, people need to be accountable for their own performance, certainly. But context and environment always do matter. And I think, I believe that you need to be a good coach to be a football coach for the New England Patriots. I think that Bill Belichick is too good a coach with too high a standard and too demanding of a kind of philosophy to have guys working for him with real responsibility that don't know what they're doing. And then I think we see some of those guys and, you know, so much gets made of the, how the Belichick coaching tree and this, that, and the other thing. But look, I, I just think some of those guys, they go places and that environment is not right for, you know, the uh, or the circumstances just aren't right for what that person is used to or you know the environment is not right for that particular person to thrive but it doesn't mean that they're incompetent or terrible at their job or incapable of adapting and or getting better so part of me has to believe that Joe Judge being Bill Belichick's special teams coordinator and again you know not to I don't even know be uh, be like a TV announcer who who has to overhammer a point that everybody already knows. But look, Bill Belichick got his start as a special teams coordinator. He was special teams coordinator before he was a defensive coordinator. That's uh, a position he takes very seriously. It's very important to him. And that was Joe Judge's role in his organization. So you have to believe that Joe Judge isn't an idiot, that the guy knows something, right? So... uh that leads me to, you know, our fourth down performance that Brian and I have lamented over and over and over on this show and how much we hate it and hate the style. And even this Sunday, they did something stupid where they lined up like an offense and then they ran the punt team on the field. And it was just so many. Eh, what are we doing? 
This is stupid. But I think we should focus a little more on the fact that in all these fourth downs that you, you know, it just seems ludicrous that we wouldn't go for it, that Joe Judge is looking at our offense and our quarterback and deciding, knowing what I know, for all the information that I have access to all week, knowing what I know, we are better off punting the ball away. And so when you look at it like that, and not, you know, this debate about whether or not analytics is good or bad or used adequately or not used adequately or blah, blah, blah. It's just maybe sometimes fourth down decision-making of a head coach is less a reflection on probabilities and analytics and just a reflection on, you know, belief in his team in the situation. And there's just no reason to believe in the New York Giants offense. And in that regard, I guess you got to tip your cap to Joe Judge because he's 100% right. There's no reason to have any faith in them. Because it's really, if we, even if we go for it on fourth down, think about yourself as a fan. And think about yourself rooting for Joe Judge or for, you know, for the Giants and it's a fourth down situation. And, and like you want, you want him to go for it, but you know it's a coin toss. It's I hope Daniel Jones can catch a shotgun snap and throw a ball in the air and get it to Kenny Galladay some way, somehow, past the sticks, maybe. Or if you're truly delusional, maybe somewhere inside of you, you also have this hope that Saquon will bust a big run or, you know, God knows what, right? Uh, So, (laughs) I don't know. You know what I mean? Whatever. Who cares? Uh, It's a coin flip, so we punt it. And maybe you'd like him to just slip the coin because at least that's more entertaining. And I get that. That's how I feel. But, you know, I get why he can't feel that way. So. I hate the Giants. I hate them. I hate them. I don't know why they have to do this to me. It's them. It's COVID. It's Julius Randle. I'm going to wait for Brian to be on Talk More Julius Randle. Um. Let's see. Uh, okay. This is riveting. Um, next up. Well, so anyway, that's my, oh, oh, I wanted to talk about Saquon. Saquon not showing up for the press conference Monday. Like, that's just inexcusable. Saquon, you suck. I'm speaking directly to you, and I will also add the disclaimer that I give whenever I say something like this to or about any professional athlete. If he was sitting in the room with me in the table across from me right now, I'd certainly not be speaking this way. Uh, he's extremely talented, uh, certainly physically superior to me, and probably a good dude. But uh, in this instance, you're paid millions and millions of dollars. You're a captain of the New York Giants. That means something very deep to a lot of people. And... You show up for the press conference and take your medicine. And if you don't want to, you know, whatever. Everybody does get to make that choice these days. But then you wear it, too. You know, you're not the kind of guy that comes out and answers the tough questions when things are going tough. And, you know, I think we've shifted perspective in society, and I don't have any issue with it, where it's no longer fair necessarily to demand that of people. And I get that. And I agree with that, certainly. Uh, But you certainly respect it when people are able to do it. 
Um, and, you know, people are allowed to sort of make their judgments on, you know, what a captain does uh, uh, and so forth. And uh, look, it's even if you, if you looked at the uh, Giants Twitter and saw the beat writers, I think you, you kind of saw it, it bothered some people more than others. Um, it, but it bothers me. I don't know. It annoys me. Saquon has this image. It's like, what a, like, happy, fun. You know, he's not been good. And getting injured is not, I don't know, whatever. Show up for the press conference. That's, that's my feeling on it. It's part of your job, right? And I don't like when Marshawn Lynch, I think, is a totally different kind of dude in terms of how he presents. And I don't like that either. Like you're not above that. I know you don't like get you don't like it. I get you don't want to do it. It's probably one of your least favorite parts about your job. As we all have. And I'm not saying I'm without empathy for you. Like, yeah. It sucks for you to have to do those press conferences like it sucks for me to have to do some of the stuff that I have to do at work that I don't like to do. So I get it. I'm not saying you have to like it, but you could, you know, I mean, you still ultimately, and maybe this is me closing it out with going full circle, but like you can choose to just be a generally cooperative part of the process or you can choose not to be. And it's just interesting when people make those choices um, one way or the other. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. This is an interesting. I just did a bad mood rant that I'm going to put out there for the world to listen to. Um, But I have COVID. So I feel like I deserve a pass. Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. I don't know. No one knows. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, Very excited for the college football. I think the fuck, you know what? I was about to close it out. I'm not going to close it out. I'm going to give the people what they want. Um, I'm excited for the college football playoff. Really, 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 really excited. First of all, I'm also really excited about um, Ohio State football spreading its tentacles to make college football a better place. Make no mistake about it, folks. Just like I think Ohio State deserves all the credit for whatever Michigan State accomplished over the last 20 years that have certainly was not the scandalous part of it, just the you know public-facing wonderful parts of it because Mark D'Antoni their longtime head coach, was a defensive coordinator at Ohio State, was with us for the 2003 national title over Miami. Um, So obviously their success was ours. And then now you have Luke Fickle in the college football playoff with Cincinnati, another state of Ohio team coached by Luke Fickle is also, I got to say, Luke Fickle and this Cincinnati team are the punishment that Ohio State deserves for Urban Meyer and for embracing Urban Meyer. I think maybe even Cincinnati needs to win the the Natty. I'm going to be rooting for it. And call me a sadist or a masochist. I'm not sure which one of those apply, uh, but call me one or the other. I think I need to be punished along with the rest of Ohio State football. Like the world, our fans, the band, everybody needs to be punished for accepting Urban Meyer into our homes and in some cases our hearts. 
because that is a deal with the devil. I mean, we've seen it. He's the devil. He's horrible. I was never able to fully embrace Urban Meyer even after that 2014 national title. And that was amazing. That was an incredible job of coaching, of playing, of everything. That team, Cardale Jones, the gifts we were given, Michael Thomas, just every, thank you guys so much. I love that team. But, and, and that's, that was the trade-off. We got Urban and we got that title and we did it. But nothing in this world is free, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing in this world is free. And so we as a, as, as a fan base need to pay the price for the sins of Urban. And this is the season that the check came due. Lost to John Harbaugh and Michigan. Now they're in the playoffs. Um, and Luke Fickle who had his six and six season filling in for Jim Trestle after tattoo gate, where if you look back at it now with the NILs and all the stuff that went down at Penn state, not even, I don't think a full calendar year after Jim Trestle was fired for tattoo for the tattoo thing. It's so silly and quaint when you look back at it. And Luke fickle stepped in into an impossible situation where we lost our starting quarterback because of the same stupid scandal. And we went six and six and and then Luke Fickle got demoted back down to defensive coordinator. Now Fickle played at Ohio state. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call him a legendary player, but certainly a, you know, a program, great, a program favorite as a player, then became a very high ranking coach on a national championship team in the midst of a ridiculous run in the big 10. And then Fick goes to Cincinnati and he brings them to the college playoff. And maybe because brings them to the college playoff, misses out on the Notre Dame gig to his former defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, who played at Ohio State. So the tentacles of Ohio State are everywhere. So Cincinnati, Notre Dame, their success is our success. Except this year. This year, if Luke Fickle brings Cincinnati to a national title, another school in the state of Ohio to a national title, with our guy as the coach, we as Ohio State fans are not allowed to lay any sort of claim to that title. That is Luke Fickles and Luke Fickles alone. That is Cincinnati's and Cincinnati's alone. We do not get to claim that as ours, Ohio State, because that is our penance. That is our penance for getting in bed with Urban Meyer. It led to us eventually, not even right away, because he's such a good guy. That has more to do with him than it does to do with Ohio State. Luke Fickle is such a good guy, he didn't leave right away. He stuck with us. He kept consistency when Urban, his dirtbag, showed up. And now he's going to lead, ironically, Urban Meyer's alma mater, Cincinnati, to a national title. And that's for him, and that's for them, and we can lay no claim to it because we blew it. We probably didn't even blow it. That's that's hard, but we still need to eat it. We need to we need to we need to feel some pain. We need to feel some pain because we embraced Urban and almost did away with Fickle, and that's not right, and that's not cool. 
and we should be punished. And yes, the real punishment would be if Michigan won the national title this year. I'm aware of that. That is the real punishment. I'm floating out the Cincinnati thing to avoid the real punishment, but that's the real punishment. And, uh, well, let's hope it doesn't come to that, Greg. All right, folks. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you next year.